You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 415 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. Andrew Strovers is a senior software engineer out of Omaha, Nebraska. He has worked for companies ranging from five employees all the way into thousands. When he isn't coding, he is hanging out with his wife and three dogs, playing board and card games, or trying to build a healthier lifestyle for himself. He brings with him a passion for new foods, healthy boundaries, and serious opinions on trust and communication in the workplace. Welcome to the Ruby on Rails podcast, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be doing this. This is my first podcast, so we'll see where it goes. First of many. Andrew, what is your developer origin story? Yeah, I kind of have a not as normal. Actually, I think it's becoming more normal, but I used to be a massage therapist and didn't really get income that I wanted to. It was kind of here and there and everywhere in between. So here in Omaha, we had a coding school called Omaha Code School. So I decided to move into that and graciously they accepted me in. After about three months, I was out looking for a job. Landed with a small startup here called RaceNote. Stayed there for about two years working on transcribing audio from the NASCAR races. So we were taking an audio from a bunch of the different people that talk and then transcribing it into a Twitter-like feed for the different teams to consume. Worked with Ruby on Rails there. And then they kind of fell under because NASCAR won a lot more money than they were willing to give. So I went over to a consultancy called Agape Red. There I worked on a couple teams and ended up by the end kind of being a solo developer for one of the projects. During that time, there was a large startup here called Flywheel. It's a WordPress hosting company. And they reached out to me and were curious on if I would be interested in joining them. Fast forward a month and I was there at Flywheel. And I stayed there for, what, four years? Past when they got bought out by WP Engine. And then just recently I joined Texas. So... That is quite the story. Now, are there any parallels between massage therapy and software development? Yeah, I get this question a lot. Yes, in my opinion. Some massage therapists aren't the same as me, but when somebody comes in and is wondering about like, hey, they have this problem with their body. The first thing I think of is like all the different things that could be going wrong to cause that. And then having to figure out like, okay, what's the game plan to rule out all these different options? And then really figure out the core problem that they're having. Like if somebody comes in with carpal tunnel, um, a lot of people think that's the problem with just the wrist, but it can be like the elbow, the shoulder, all the way up to near the spine. Each one of those places could be a possible problem where they're starting the inflammation. They're only feeling it distally in their wrist. So it's a problem solving issue. And I think the same thing of development is we get these stories and There's always a problem that needs to be solved. And we have all these different ways that we can think about solving that problem. But truly, what is the best way to solve that problem? And that's kind of where I see the parallels between massage therapy and development. It's very much an interesting problem that we need to solve. That is so fascinating. Now, your boot camp, did they train you in Ruby on Rails or did you pick it up along your software developer journey? They did. They started with Ruby, just flat out Ruby. And then we kind of built up what would have been Ruby on Rails, a very ignorant version of it. And then they said, okay, now that we've done it the hard way, here's Ruby on Rails. And then also just a little bit of JavaScript, but it was mostly focused on Ruby on Rails. 
I'm so jealous that you did it that way because I kind of did it the opposite way where I went to a boot camp and they're like, this is Rails. You should probably know Ruby too, but we have device. And so don't ever worry about authentication or understanding any of those like mini bits of it. So I wish I had gone from Ruby up to Rails in some ways. Yeah, I hear that a lot and I love it so much because I think it grounded me in getting past the magic, quote unquote magic of Rails. Because a lot of people get stuck in that. At Flywheel, we trained, or I helped train a couple of juniors. And that was one of the biggest struggles is like, we gave them Rails and they had all these things that they could do with it, but they never quite understood what was happening. Active record is not a very complex piece of Rails, in my opinion. But oh man, the number of people that I've said, like, I just got to structure it this way and uh, it'll do the thing. I'm like, well... What does do the thing actually mean to you? Because that's what we need to figure out is like, how do we get that knowledge there? So you recently started at Texas and you actually started during one of our company on sites, which is rare for us. We get together at Texas maybe every six months now. And your first day was actually meeting everybody in person. How was that experience for you? Overwhelming. (laughs) It was great. I wouldn't have done it any other way. It's the second time that I've joined a company and I got to meet everyone all at the same time. I am not, as I would consider, very extroverted. However, getting to meet everyone and kind of like learning bits and pieces of certain people is definitely what I appreciate. It allows me to construct conversations with them outside of the on-site and actually know something about them. I'm not very much into small talk. I don't know if you've noticed this yet. (laughs) I like to be very personal with my conversations. Well, that actually lends me into our next topic. Andrew, you are definitely one of the most thoughtful developers I've ever worked with. And while you've only been at Texas for a couple of weeks, I feel like you're already making an impact. And one thing that I really want to think about changing at Texas is how we approach retros. And so I was like, well, I need someone who has opinions. Andrew definitely has opinions. So I thought it would be kind of fun to dig into retros and, you know, how we could make some positive changes at Texas. Sound good? Absolutely. Awesome. So first topic, very simple. We'll start with, but, you know, looking back on your experience and the retros that you have been in, who should be present at a retro? Yeah, I learned a lot from one of my previous coworkers. His name is Nathan Nicely. He was a scrum coach. And his biggest thing was the people in the room need to be the developers, the scrum master, or whoever's putting on the ceremony, if you wish to use that word, which in our case might be like a manager or something like that. And then a product manager. The product manager is probably the biggest one that people are kind of iffy on. I do believe they are required to be there. And one of the biggest things there is making sure that everyone there has the opportunity to be very truthful and not feel like there's repercussions to that truthfulness. What elements do you think go into a good retro? Yeah, so having fun. And this might be very much a flywheel grown thing, but I feel like there are a lot of different formats for retros. And if you don't play around with the format of a retro, it can become very monotonous. Mm -hmm. So some of the ones that we had at Flywheel I think everyone's favorite was always pick an emoji that sums up the amount of time that you're retroing over. For us, our most common retro was for sprints. So it was just 
pick a random emoji that really summed up the last two weeks, which is our sprint cadence. And then also tell us why that emoji sums up everything that happened over the sprint. That is really interesting. Can you think of an example emoji that you might use? Yeah, I think this one got used a lot, but it was like a lady running to the end of a race. And right before she hits the end, the road collapses out from under there. Because there's always those times where you get a story and you're like, think you're doing really, really well. And then you hit that unknown unknown and it just falls out from underneath you and you cannot deliver when you want to. I think it happens to every developer and there's no shame in it. It happens. So one thing that I struggle with is we do retros every two weeks that text us and I have a hard time looking backwards on the last two weeks. And I tell myself, going to take notes. I'm going to remember to bring this to retro. Can you think of any good solves around that? So two things. I think me personally, I struggle with that as well. And my personal opinion is if it didn't hurt me enough that I can remember it in a week and a half or not, it may be okay. Secondly, if that isn't the way you think, I often put notes to myself. We use Slack. So on the day of the retro, I typically will put a reminder in Slack to myself when the problem happened. So it's like, oh, hey, I want to bring this up in retro remind myself on X day in the morning that here's the topic that I want to talk about in retro. Some kind of note-taking application would also be wonderful just to give yourself time to do it. There's definitely an amount of dedication to retroing that you need to do Mm -hmm. um, to be able to pull yourself out of the problem at that moment and make that decision. Honey Badger is exception, uptime, and cron monitoring all in one place and easily installed in your web app. Deploy with confidence and be your team's DevOps hero. I want to tell you about another awesome feature from our friends at Honey Badger. Have you ever wanted to update all your errors at once or set defaults for incoming errors? With Honey Badger Actions, you can do just that and a lot more. Actions come in two flavors, project actions and batch actions. With project actions, you can automatically assign errors to yourself or another team member, tags to specific error classes and more. Batch actions are similar to project actions, but they can be applied to search results in the errors list. To dive into all things actions, head on over to honeybadger.io. Do you think that every topic that is brought to Retro should be discussed? The reason I ask this is because every topic that is brought at Texas, we do have some level of discussion about it and we create action items around them and whatnot. My partner, on the other hand, they create their retro items throughout the week, and then they actually vote on which topics are worth discussing. What do you think? That's really interesting. I've never heard of it done that way. I can definitely see how that can be a positive. So one of the big things is it rolling back to the previous question. That's a really great way of making sure that everything that could have caused problems throughout a sprint or X amount of time is always visible before a retro and then focusing on only the most impactful pieces. The thing that I'm used to coming from WP Engine is we all take 10 minutes or something like that and just whiteboard out everything that we can think of that we need to talk about. And then we try to group all of those together into like categories and then really have a higher level discussion of, okay, here's what went wrong and not necessarily get into the minutia of like this exact moment that went wrong, but trying to find 
topics that we can talk about and get better at. If that meant that like our retros are always focused around, oh, hey, we meant to get these things done and we got like 90% of the way there. But let's figure out how we can go for 85% and go above and beyond so that we are giving the stakeholders what they need throughout a sprint instead of attempting to get there and not always reaching there. So those kind of, that seems very contrived, but. You said a word there that I want to touch upon and that was impactful. I think one issue that can often pop up in retros is that we are afraid to bring up the things that are really wrong in fear of offending others or worrying that it's not the right platform to say it or that it's been hashed out already within leadership meetings. We need to create a place where everyone who's involved in the retro can feel vulnerable. So, Andrew, how would you reward vulnerability? You need to reward vulnerability. But I think the precursor to vulnerability is trust. I think you need to build that trust within the organization and the group to make sure that people feel comfortable being vulnerable. The groundwork on that is there needs to be respect for everyone in the group. And then also make sure that there's no consequences negatively to what people are saying. I say respect, and I'm very opinionated about this. I don't like being interrupted. I don't think anyone truly does. But so many times in the past, I've been in teams where one person's voice kind of dominates most of the conversations. And the only way to get your voice in is to have to interrupt them. I will talk for days on this because I think that is a serious respect problem. If you're creating a culture in which the only way to hear your voice is to interrupt someone else, that is showing a lack of respect from both the person interrupting and the person talking if they're not giving space for other people to talk. And then vulnerability. Make sure that when somebody's being vulnerable, they feel heard. And it doesn't have to be anything past like, hey, I really struggled on this piece and I really need some help. But just be like, hey, cool, hear you. How can we get you that help? Instead of being like, wow, really, you're struggling on that? Like, the junior over there can do that. It doesn't matter if somebody can or can't do it. They're being open about how you can grow them. In most cases, when they show vulnerability, it's a growth opportunity. And that's why we want to encourage that voice to come out because people will grow faster if they're allowed to be vulnerable and truly take on that growth portion of the vulnerability. If you suspect a team member wants to bring a topic to retro that might make them feel vulnerable, do you think that is an opportunity for an engineering manager to talk about that topic with them and have them bring it to retro? Or does that almost steal the magic out of bringing that topic directly to retro? No, I don't think that steals away. What I would want from a manager or a team lead or whoever wants to bring that up is to reach out if like if they're having a discussion with that person. And they kind of bring it up in confidence <laughs> or you hear undertones of it and you're like, hey, I was getting the impression that this might be an issue or something you might want to talk about. What I would love to see is for somebody to reach out to them and go, are you comfortable bringing this up in retro? Yay or nay. And if you're not, are you OK if I do it in your stead? And really having the conversation because maybe they aren't OK at all having it brought up and it doesn't matter who brings it up. And we want to be cognizant of that because that is a breach of trust if we just do it without considering their wants. 
That's such good advice. Now, Andrew, I imagine you have done retros both in person and remotely. Do you have any advice around handling retros while being remote and what challenges there might be there in that? Yeah, it's always going to be tougher online, I think, than in person. And I say that because, especially throughout the the pandemic, one thing that we were really cognizant about at Flywheel slash WP Engine is burnout. When you have to be on whatever you're on, Slack, calls, Google Hangouts, whatever you use, the ability to always be on because you have a camera pointed at your face can be very draining for a lot of us. And it feels like we never can step away. So one of the things that we talked about a lot was allowing people to just turn off their camera. And it doesn't matter because at that point, they didn't have to perform for other people. And we hear that word a lot, perform, when we're talking about that kind of stuff, because people feel like they have to. They have other people watching them. So that's one thing that we are always cognizant about during any ceremony. Secondly, have some kind of tool that helps facilitate retros. It doesn't really matter. We used Miro, which is a wonderful way of like just kind of putting like sticky notes onto a a screen, I guess, (laughs) a shared board. And then being able to like move them around going back, that was how we kind of found like the different categories of problems that we had during retros is we moved like sticky notes into like sticky notes and kind of grouped them together that way. We have done things as simple as having a Google document that has all of the different topics. We did that often for the emoji one that we did because it was easy to just add an emoji into a Google doc and then write what we had. But there should be something that's kind of helping facilitate for the scrum master or whoever is running the So the next question I'm going to ask you, I will put the precursor to it. We have not had a heated retro since Andrew has been at Texas. However, if we were going to have a very heated retro, I would definitely want Andrew present because you have a very calming presence. But I'm curious, have you been in a retro where it has gotten really heated or it's become too repetitive or it's very clear that a separate meeting is being spawned out of that retro and what would you do? Yeah. As for too heated, I'm going to say everyone that isn't part of the heated part of that conversation can help with this. I am not one to get very emotional in that way. So often this is something that I've taken on. It's making sure that both sides are being heard. When things get too heated, it usually means both sides are very passionate about it which means they need someone to kind of facilitate their conversation Um, because they may be getting stuck on a barrier between their two passion points and somebody to draw them away from that just a little bit of like, we heard this side, we heard this side, and we need to figure out somewhere in between that we can reach because if both sides are unable to move forward with either of the other's ways, we need to find somewhere in between. And that to me is what needs to happen. If Nothing can be reached between those two. It needs to be shelved for this meeting so we can move forward and be productive. And there does need to be another meeting and potentially bring in another person to help facilitate that discussion. I love that because I will admit to you listeners, I tend to be one of those passionate people. (laughs) I will admit it right now. So it's important to understand the firefighters that are present and to restate the things that need to be said so that way everyone gets on the same page. Are you looking for a convenient tool to test your messages? Then it's time to try MailTrap. Trusted by over 900,000 users worldwide, 
MailTrap helps developers, QAs, and product managers avoid dev junk in their mailboxes. MailTrap captures SMTP traffic, so no more sending test emails to users by mistake. Quickly identify HTML and CSS issues and use Spam Score Checker to ensure emails perform as intended. MailTrap keeps all the data organized by creating a virtual inbox for each server where all emails from all users are collected. Crucial email reports are available there right away. Plus, MailTrap recently released transactional email sending, so you can now send emails and monitor their performance. Check all of the necessary statistics, including spam complaints, open and bounce rates, and mailbox provider data. Get started for free at MailTrap.io today and complete the email development cycle. Test and send your emails within one solution. Thank you to MailTrap for sponsoring the show. Andrew, do you think it's important when you schedule that follow-up meeting to actually hash it out? Because I do agree, it's important that you reach a resolution, but it's probably not during the retro that it's going to happen. Do you think other team members should be given the option to see it hash out, or is it best to keep the responsible parties as small as possible? I think it really depends on the topic of the conversation. If it is something that has to do with the whole team, then yes, I think the whole team should be on it. Giving both sides the opportunity to write down the reasons for and against the way they want to move forward. I think that's really the big core issue is let's schedule a meeting. And before anyone steps into that meeting, we need to have both sides kind of like state what they want out of it and then allow a group together, whether it's just the two people and the facilitator for an entire group to come forward and say, this is the way we as a whole want to move forward. Understanding that it is going to be tough for both of the people in the heated conversation to potentially take the middle road, but we're trying to find a way that we can move forward as an organization or a team rather than as individuals. And sometimes that means us as individuals, we have to kind of put aside our pride or our wants and understand that for the better of the group, we need to move forward without our way of doing. Such good advice. So before we are done retroing on retros, I had one last question for you, and I'm actually going to surprise you with this question. But what do you do when you realize that one of your team members hasn't contributed to a retro in a very long time? Should everyone be required to contribute, I guess, is really the first question. Is it possible to work in a software development environment and not have an opinion about things going well or going badly? I think everyone should have an opinion. Now, I also believe that what that opinion looks like is going to be different per person. So some people are going to focus only on positives. That's usually me. Some people are going to focus more on negatives, on how things went wrong. And that's perfectly fine too. Some people will be holistic and think of both. There's nothing wrong with any one of those takes. The end goal is to get better as a whole, which means you need to do what you think is done right better, what you think was done wrong less often, and what is continuing to work, continuing to allow it to happen. And if somebody is not coming forward with any of those things, so a positive and negative or something that just continue to be doing what we're doing, there might be a conversation to be had there on like why. One of the things I've seen in the past is people aren't comfortable bringing up the negatives because there's a lack of trust within the organization, which means that they feel if they caused a negative to happen, 
there might be some negative ramifications to this, to what they're saying. So that's kind of rewinding back to the vulnerability piece. That trust and vulnerability really need to be there to have a proper retro where we can just talk about what went right and what went wrong without feeling like that's going to impact us in any way. That's awesome. Well, I'm asking all guests this. Will you be at RailsConf? And if yes, any tracks that you're excited about? I will be at RailsConf this year. And the track that I'm most excited about is Explain It Like I'm Five. I'm really hoping to find something that is really outside of my comfort zone and start kind of figuring it out. And that sounds exactly like Explain It Like I'm Five is going to be about. I'm thrilled that you're excited about that because I think there was a little bit of a fear that senior developers wouldn't go to that track. And so I'm glad to see that someone who's senior like yourself still feels like they're a good fit for that track. I'm excited to see if that's the truth of what will happen. <laughs> it is, trust me. Some of the, the talks that were accepted are completely outside of my comfort zone. So I am very excited to see those talks as well. So Andrew, like I ask all my guests, what are your thoughts on the future of the Ruby and Ruby on Rails communities? I'm very positive on where we're going in the future. It feels like I get inundated every year with articles saying Ruby on Rails is dead. And, you know, I've had this going on for five plus years now. It hasn't gone anywhere. And I think every new release is getting me more and more excited about the future. Like better partitioning of databases between just a single database to distributed databases and having a really good support for that to all of the, what, three by three, speeding up Ruby three times faster than Ruby three. It's faster. (laughs) (laughs) I think Rails and Ruby itself is maturing in a direction that I'm very excited about. We're getting faster and better tooling. I think there's been quite a few talks about potentially bringing in typing. So just allowing ourselves to alleviate a lot of the problems, not knowing that there's an error until we run it on production, which would be the typing piece. Getting a little bit more cognizant of the failings that we have currently and trying to make it better. I'm pretty positive. I'm not going anywhere. Good. You better not be going anywhere. I'm glad to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I want to make sure that we save some time to highlight something really cool. Andrew, before we wrap up, would you mind telling the listeners about your amazing hobby? Is hobby even the right word like for this cool thing that you do? So I'm guessing you're talking about Frisbee with mm-hmm. my dogs. So yeah, I help run an organization called the Nebraska Desk Dogs. And we facilitate playing Frisbee games with the dogs for different people around Omaha. There are so many different organizations that do this. And our kind of big favorite, I'm going to shout them out. It's called UpDog. And if you're like anyone else that's ever heard that, the first thing that goes through your mind is, well, it's UpDog. That's exactly why it's named that way. And it is a disc organization that has like 10 different games that you play with your dogs from like little tiny throws of a couple yards in four different quadrants of a square to 100 yard throws three times. And it's really crazy. So the big thing is just having fun with our dogs and being able to be outside and doing what I love, which I've been throwing discs for casually for a very long time what a good twitter bio right there (laughs) casually throwing discs for a very long time (laughs) well speaking of andrew how can listeners follow you so i'm mostly on linkedin and i'll drop it in the show notes for everyone to follow 
Fantastic. And people might get to meet you at RailsConf, which would be really cool. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you talking about retros with me. I'm going to take a lot of what I learned from you today and hopefully apply it positively to our own process. I'll hold you to that. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.